0: Thanks for tuning in to the Sojourn Church Podcast. We are a church committed to the gospel in the context of family, living on mission to the city of Portland and our world. For more information, visit our website, sojournpdx.org. Anyway, I'm Nate. Uh, I am uh, joyed to be here and uh, honored to be asked to speak. Um, uh, I'm from a very, very, very small town uh, in Texas, and... uh, Man, God, I just, you know, my life is somewhat of a testimony to God's goodness uh, to be able to come to Portland, Oregon and to speak. Uh, I'm not really worthy to do this in any way, but um, I'm just so thankful to be with you. And um, I was saved, Elliot, as a young boy, just like you were. And uh, I remember the day that I was baptized in my church. And so, dude, I'm so happy for you and so excited. You'll never forget this moment. Um, but I can relate to the story of Jonah a little bit. Uh, I knew God's power, and I knew God's uh, provision in my life. I knew what it meant to be a follower of Jesus, uh, and I chose to do something else. I knew God's presence, and I chose to run from it. So uh, like many people do, uh, I I lived as a good kid, quote-unquote. I didn't get in trouble at school or with the law or anything like that. Um, and if you saw me on the outside as a teenager and as a kid, you probably would have thought I was a pretty good kid. And that's what I wanted. That was the that was the image that I wanted to craft. I, I'm a by nature I want people to like me, and I want to please people. Uh, and so that was like how I was. And on the inside, though, I was a mess. It really was. A lot of addictions, a lot of selfishness, a lot of things that. Um, that were that I didn't want people to know about or see and a lot of insecurities. And and so I, uh, I went to college. Uh, I went to a Christian college even. Like God began to work in my life for the first time. I remember that moment uh, of setting foot on a Christian university, and I got to play sports there. And uh, I remember like this peace that came. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. When I went there, I just had this peace. Uh, I kind of heard Sammy talk about that in her story a little bit uh, a couple days ago. And uh, But even there, I ran and I wanted to do my own thing. And I remember uh, my Tarshish, my ship to Tarshish moment we're going to talk about. If you're not familiar with the story of Jonah, we'll recap that a little bit. But I remember clearly uh, the moment that, that, that I realized and got downwind of myself, so to speak, that I wanted what God had to offer. And I was tired of running and I was tired of playing games with him. Uh, and I, I went to a worship service. Uh, not too unlike this, and not picking on the people in the back row, but I sat on the very back row in the balcony because I wanted to run from God, uh, and uh, we're Baptists, so we have a joke about we love to sit on the back row uh, anyway um, and uh, uh, but I remember I went to the balcony in the back row because i I didn't you know for whatever reason that that stage that pastor it represented God to me, and I knew that I was not not ready to be near him but in God's way, at the end of that worship service, I was on my face in the carpet at the front of the worship service because I was tired of running and I was tired of pretending. And that's that is the word that 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 I that I use is like God, I'm tired of pretending that I love you. I really want to, Jesus. I will give you anything. That song, Reckless Abandon, he talked about worship like that was in my heart. Like I don't care what you want, Jesus. I will give it to you. Period. No more dark dark corners, no more, no more hidden parts of my mind and my life. Like I wanted it. And so guess what started happening? The Bible that sat dusty on my shelf for so long, I was suddenly reading it every day. And the people that I used to see as enemies or an annoyance or a distraction, I all of a sudden started to see them as a person that was made in the image of God and that needed to have what I had, Right. Uh, and so that was a fundamental change for me. And you're going to see in the story of Jonah, it's a familiar tale, right? There's, uh, uh, if we were just in a conversation in a coffee shop or on the street here and we referenced Jonah, people would have a concept of that story, right? They may think it's an Eastern, a Near Eastern myth or uh, that it's just an anecdotal tale or it's an allegory for something, and, uh, but they would have a concept or a notion of this story, Right? Well, this is a completely unique and beautiful piece of literature in the Bible. I want y'all to know that. Uh, of all the prophetic books in the Bible, this is the only one that's like a biography of the prophet. Right? There's a lot of pro- there's a, we know stuff about some of the prophets. Some of the others we we don't know a whole lot of. We have minor prophets and major prophets. Not. Because one's more important than the other, major prophets just prophesied more and wrote it down more, and so the books are longer. Uh, but like these these books in the Old Testament have so much to say, and in a culture in our culture where social justice is a huge huge priority, we ought to be reading the prophets and especially the minor prophets because that's what they're all about. It's about not oppressing the poor and that God loves those who are uh, who are ostracized. And so these books they may be old and uh, from the Old Testament, we may think, man, they have no value here. They really, really do. They really have a contemporary message for us. And so um, this this tells us a lot about Jonah, whereas some of the other prophetic books just kind of tell about the prophecies that prophets made. This tells us his story. And I think that's why it's so cool and and resonates it. And Matt talked about it last week that he thought this was a historical, prophetical book, and I believe that as well. I believe this happened. It's not an audacious claim for the Bible to say that a fish swallowed a man. That is really not an audacious claim. To say that God created the entire universe and everything that ever was in six days, that's an audacious claim, right? To say that God's only son came and walked the earth and lived a sinless life, that's an audacious claim. To say that he died on the cross and at that moment uh, of his death, the, the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, signifying that man could now be in God's presence. That's an audacious claim. And to say three days later he rose from the grave, that's an audacious claim. So we ought not to stumble, in my opinion, on this fact of a man being swallowed by a fish, right? I saw a story in the news literally last week of a lobster fisherman that got swallowed by a whale. Uh, And so, I mean, seriously, I. When he told me we were preaching on this, I, I was like, wow, I just saw this. It's is real. I think you might even reference that as well. I didn't plagiarize him. I actually saw that. Okay, that's a big thing right now. Um, but this is a story of rebellion. It's a, it's a story of discipline, of God's discipline. It's a story of repentance. And that's why I love this story. Jonah repents in the belly of that fish. And, and that seems like an odd place to say a prayer. But when you get to that, when you read that, you're going to see, man. That 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 fish was actually about mercy and not punishment. The storm was the was the discipline. We're going to see that today. The fish was mercy and ultimately fulfillment of mission. Jonah uh, Jonah was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. That's the thing that he was going away from. We're going to read this, these verses and see that. All right, but the theme of this book, right? Jonah is a uh, you're meant to walk away from this saying, how would I respond in this situation? You're meant to walk away saying, how is my obedience in a difficult scenario? How is my obedience when God's called me to do something that's out of my comfort zone? Or maybe even out of the someone, maybe even out of the things that I want to do in life, All right? How is that? All right. So let's read these verses. I'm going to read uh, the verses that that you guys went through last week as well, just because it, it frames this story well. So Jonah chapter one, Jonah's uh, one of the minor prophets here just before Micah. If you got your Bibles, we can turn there. If you want to use your smartphone, uh, I'm a big proponent of the YouVersion app on the smartphone. If you don't have that, it's a great, great app. Lots of Bible plans on there and Uh, And and it's just a a great, it's it's one of the most downloaded apps on the internet, by the way. Uh, And so, uh, pretty awesome. Jonah chapter 1 verse 1 says this, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. So he knew of this city, right? It was a great city. And call out against it for evil, for their evil has come up before me. An evil and great city, right? I think that we can understand this juxtaposition it's a great city because of the accomplishments there because of the size because of the power but also the wickedness that lies there we could we could understand that but Jonah he had a clear he had a clear uh, plan he was supposed to go to Nineveh to Nineveh that great and uh, call out against that city but verse three but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord that's the complete opposite way without getting in the weeds of geography. Imagine if uh, our friends from North Carolina said, God said to them, hey, I need you to go to Portland this summer, and they went to the UK. All right, that is the opposite direction, okay? Um, So he went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish and away from the presence of the Lord. So he disobeyed, he ignored God, and he ran from God's presence. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners, not the baseball team up here, but the (laughs) sailors, um, were afraid, and each cried out to his God. Seems to be a plurality of beliefs on this boat. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. They're getting desperate. These were sailors. They would have been for profit. And so the things that was making them profit, they began to chunk overboard because of fear of dying. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. I don't know how. So the captain came and said to him, "What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise. Call out to your God. He's getting desperate." We've tried all the other gods. We've tried every other way. Nothing's working here. Go wake up that dude sleeping in the bottom of the boat. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. I'm reminded uh, in my quiet time this morning, I read from Acts 17, and I'm reminded of Paul walking through the city and seeing a plurality of gods, and they even had a statue to an unknown god just in case they missed one. That's how I feel this boat is just in case none of these other gods we're praying to works out, maybe the God of this man can save us. Verse seven, and they came and they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this, e- uh, this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. And they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country and what people and of what people are you? And he said to them, I'm a Hebrew. That meant something. That meant he was a follower of Yahweh, right? The God who had done great and mighty works in the life of, in the, of, the, of, the, life of the nation, right? Starting in Egypt and freeing them from uh, bondage and slavery and crossing the Red Sea and the conquest of the Promised Land and crossing the Jordan and all of the things that the nation and the history of Israel, people knew the God of Israel. They feared and respected this God. You're going to see their response. Uh, You'll know that. He said, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid. They were afraid of dying, but the mention of the God of heaven and earth who's created everything, true fear came in because they realized they were at the mercy of God men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Now, Matt asked me to sprinkle in some grace this week. And really, that's what this is about. We're going to end the story here, but God brings a grace and a mercy to Jonah and to his life. And ultimately, to the people of Nineveh. All right, the Assyrians were a wicked people that did not deserve forgiveness in reality, but God offered them a rebuke. I wonder how many times in our life have we, have we seen a rebuke or a hard word from a parent or a friend or another brother in Christ or sister in Christ? Have we seen that as an attack instead of an act of grace? All right, I've had a, a, a lot of occasions as a pastor, uh, not a lot, but some where I have to have a hard word with a person. And I don't enjoy it. I'm not that, I'm not like a seeking confrontation type. Um, but nine times out of ten, it ends up being a grace-filled account, all right, because it's 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 someone, it's a warning, if you will, right? But we're gonna see, I wanna show some things here that Jonah has lost through his bad decision making. You see, uh, bad things are gonna happen to us in, in the world we live in. That's just the reality of life. Bad things happen. Uh, And there's several reasons why bad things happen. One is we just live in a fallen world. We live in a world where sin is the rule in every man's life, every woman's life, right? So bad things occur because of that. Right? We see that the last year gives us a great picture of that. Because of the sin in, in men's hearts, we have seen uh, a treacherous election cycle. We have seen um, the, the fruits of brutality, uh, racism, uh, unrest. Right, Those are things when we see, look, in the world we live in, because of sin in the men's life, in people's lives, we're going to have hard and difficult times. Right? Jesus said, hey, in this world, there will be trouble. He promised it. Right. he also said some good news behind it, but take heart for I have overcome the world. All right. and so there are some things that are gonna be hard in this, in, in this world. Uh, maybe your own sin was gonna cause some hard times to come upon you. That's what we see today in this story, All right? The, because of Jonah's bad decision-making, that hard times have made, his, made their way to him. Sometimes bad things happen or struggles happen for righteousness' sake. Think about Jesus in the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead, right? He he said that he left Lazarus in the tomb for four days so that people would know his power and it ended up being for righteousness sake. That bad thing happened to Mary and Martha. We don't see that a lot, but there could be a difficult time in your life that's meant to draw you closer to God. You see, the recipe for greatness in God's kingdom has been said is suffering, is difficulty name a great hero of the faith that hasn't had a difficult time, I'll wait, right? There's not one. From Jesus to Moses uh, to Adam and Eve to anyone else in the Bible's struggle is part of the journey. And then sometimes it's just a mystery. Why does a child get cancer? Sometimes we just don't know. Sometimes that God's sovereignty uh, is different than ours. His plan is different, right? But sometimes bad things just happen mysteriously. We don't really have an, uh, uh, an understanding. But here's the thing. Jonah was intended to be a blessing to the city of Nineveh. God had their repentance and their restoration in heart the whole time. And in fact, God had, had in, in, in the nation of Israel, He had chosen them. If you go back to Genesis chapter 12, you don't have to turn there. I'm going to read it for you. But God told this to a man named Abram. Abram was not a follower of Yahweh. He was a, uh, a man that uh, would have been pantheistic and, and polytheistic. Uh, and God called him seemingly out of nowhere and said, hey, I'm sending you to a place that I have set aside for my people. And in Genesis 12, he says this, I will bless you and make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. Why? So that you will in turn be a blessing. Jonah, instead of being a blessing, now he's a curse right? That's what sometimes happens when we're running from God. You know, we say something in our church that we've been rescued by God to be a rescuer. We have been blessed to be a blessing. We have been loved so that we can pass love to one another. That's what disciple making is all about, is the thing that God has brought me out of. I'm here to help somebody else on that path and that journey. That's what the church exists for. I heard you tell your story the other night, and I had tears in my eyes. Why? Because I heard a story of God has recycled my pain in my life. He's done something through a gift of a child, and now I'm passing that on to someone else by sharing that story. That's how we're a blessing. right? Well, Jonas instead has now become a curse. Because of his willful disobedience, now he's put the risk of uh, everyone's life on the boat is now at risk. right? And now uh, the ship was going to go down. And I love to hear the words of the the lady at the garden. I can't remember her name, but yesterday she said, I have tears in my eyes because I have been blessed by your work. That's the church, right? We have this ability. We have some human resources here this week. Let's go and be a blessing to someone in our community. I love that. That was was 100% why we did it. That's 100% why we came here. I, I mean, Matt, that's why we came here. I want you to have... Uh, the ability to bless your community more. Man, that's so good. But Jonah chose something else because of his bad decision-making and his sinful decision-making. Now, all of a sudden, he is putting several people's lives at risk, including his own. So instead of a blessing, now he became a curse. All right? Jonah lost the voice of God. Jonah was literally a prophet of God. He would hear the word of the Lord, and then he would go forth. In fact, uh the, the first word of many of the prophetic books is the word and. What that means is, and the Lord of the word came to so-and-so. The word of the Lord came to Micah. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. All the prophets. Yours may say, now, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Right? He literally heard the voice of God. Right? And Instead, he has lost that now. Every other man on that boat was praying to their God for mercy. And Jonah's passed out on the bottom of the boat. He has severed his ties with God, right? He ignored, he disobeyed the word. And, 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 and God's message was going to be heard. So God was speaking through his word. He began to speak through his works. The tempest is what it said, came upon the sea. It was the voice of God, the presence of God that you said it. That, that's exactly what Jonah was running from, all right? How many times have we been there, I know I have, running from the church, running from God's word, running from someone else who I, you know, I used to be the person who's like, oh, man, that guy's so holy. I don't want to be around him. Well, yeah, maybe I really should have been around him. Because what was happening is the wickedness in my own heart couldn't stand to be in that presence of that person. That's what I'm a hypocrite. I'm a Pharisee, right? Running from God leads us to places that we really don't want to go. And that's the thing. Sin is going to take you places you never wanted to go, and it's going to keep you there longer than you ever wanted to be. Jonah lost his spiritual energy. Verse 6, what does it say there? So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean? Arise and call out to your God. This was God's man. This was the leader. He went before kings of Israel and prophesied. You can read the the Old Testament books. He literally went and prophesied. He had seen the mercies and the work of God, right? And now he had severed that. He had lost his spiritual energy. He was all about redeeming people. Most, a lot of prophecies is, hey, you need to repent. Most of the Old Testament prophecies is, here's where you're gone wrong. This is what you need to do to fix it. He was that guy. Instead, he had just lost that. He's asleep at the bottom of the boat. He was able to sleep through the storm somehow. He, had, he, had, he was okay with everyone dying, so to speak, by his actions. Lost all care for the safety of others. Everything was being thrown overboard. Jonah was just chilling. I don't know if he had an Eno hammock in the bottom. I don't know what he's doing down there, but I don't know how he's sleeping in the bottom of that boat. Um, but when we run away from God, we lose an energy for doing his will. All right? The idea of helping another person when I was running from God was absent from, from my vocabulary. I didn't, I didn't have an empathy and a care to help another person. In fact, it was probably the other way around. what I would end up doing is trying to gain something at that person's expense. right? And that's what Jonah was doing. He wanted uh, he hated the Assyrians so much you're going to find out even when they repent at the end of this book, he's mad about it. He's salty. Uh, not just from being in the fish, okay? Uh, he, he's, he's salty because God actually does what God does and saves this nation. Jonah lost his power in prayer. Pagan sailors who worship statues or fertility gods or fish gods or whatever it is they worshiped, they had more faith in that than Jonah had in the God of creation, the God who is actually powerful. Jonah lost all power in prayer. Prayerlessness is a sign that a person's far from God. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a pastor, right? I'm called to lead the church to some degree. Uh, and prayer is something I have to vitally work at. Because God's given me some talents and intelligence and abilities, and I'm a hard worker. And so I think sometimes I can get there on my own, right? Maybe some of you can relate to that. So prayer is something I have to say, you know what? No, I need to be with God. I need to call on the Lord. It's something that I'm still working at, right? I'm 40 years old now. I've been following the Lord for a long time, right? That's still something I'm striving to pray more, to pray more fervently, right? Jonah just lost his power in prayer. Jonah, if he would have just said, God, I'm sorry, I did wrong, what would have happened? I mean, I'm not God, but I think what would have happened is that storm would have quieted down. But he lost that. He wasn't willing to do that just yet. He lost the power of prayer. And that's an indication to me that you're far from God. You see, it's the opposite is true. When someone is is growing in their faith, when someone is maturing, uh, if the Holy Spirit is active in their life, you know what signs I see? that they're running towards the church. They want to be in that Bible study, that home group, that community, right? I'm desperate for that. I want to be around God's people. I become desperate for the word. I want to know what the character of God is. I want to know how he's worked in the past. I want to know how I can live for him, right? I can't get enough of this. I'm wanting to talk about it. And the opposite is true as well. When I'm going the other way, all of those things decrease. And I've been on every, every part of that spectrum. So I'm not here to to tear you up, but what I'm here to say is that if maybe that's you, maybe you're running in some way, shape, or form, um, the good news is that you can come back. If God is anything, he is patient, and he is gracious, and he is loving. Jesus told a story about a uh, a prodigal son who squandered his father's inheritance on what, what the Bible calls reckless or wild living. I imagine he was spending some time in the red light district. I imagine he was having a real good time, but he wasted it. And at the end of it, he was eating food with pigs. We spent some time in the red light district. And one of our team's takeaways is why was it so dirty? And why was, you know, it just, it just wasn't a place you wanted to be. And I said, well, when, whenever a place is dedicated to sin, this is where you end up. And, that's, and that is a story for our life. That is. If your life is dedicated to the things of the world, you're going to end up in that desolate place. And if you're in the things of God, then he is going to lift you up. The Bible is, that's what it's all about. At the end of that story, that father, when that that son came home, that father ran out and met him. He disgraced himself. He lifted his, his robe and ran and met him and put a new robe on his back and a ring on his finger signifying a place of honor, and he killed the best cow. And bar- We're from Texas, North Carolina, right? Barbecue's a big deal, okay? He had a barbecue in his son's honor. He invited everyone from the town to come. Why? Because God's a God of second chances. That's what the Veggie Tales version of Noah, of Jonah says, right? I have two children, so I've, we've watched the Veggie Tales. But there's a song, God is a God of second chances, and that is completely right. Charles Spurgeon says it this way, that God never allows his children to sin successfully. Right? And I really, I really believe that. When you're a follower of Jesus and sin is in your life, you know it. You won't thrive in that. Jonah, unfortunately, lost his testimony. For me, that's the thing I'm, I'm the most afraid of in my life. As a follower of Jesus, one of the only things we can cling to is our integrity, is our story. If that's ever lost, man, man, what harm that can do. Some of us could probably say that. We know someone who's fallen from grace, someone who's walked away, someone who did something to hurt or harm the church, right? Jonah literally means dove. That's what the name Jonah means. It's kind of a wimpy name, I guess. But uh, <laughs> but in the Bible, what is, dove, what is a dove significant? What does it signify? Anybody? Peace. Yeah. Dove signifies peace. It signifies life. Noah sent a dove out and returned with an olive branch. Remember that story? Right? It signifies peace. So Jonah, instead of being a man of peace, he was being a man of chaos. Was not living up to even his father's name. His father's name, Amittai, meant faithful and truthful. Jonah was neither one of those. And so his legacy was tarnished. God's legacy was tarnished and his testimony was in shambles. He neglected his role, or his role as a Hebrew to be a blessing to the nations. He instead was being a curse. He had ceased to do the thing that God had called him to do. He was a prophet. He was called to, to a prophetic ministry and he had ceased to do that. It's been said before that obedience is God's love language. If, you've, if you're married or dating, there is a book called The Five Love Languages. It's a cool and interesting read. Uh, it's about how we want to receive love and how we best show love. So um, for instance, uh, words of affirmation is one of the five love languages. And so if you're a person that when you see someone that does something good, you, you would say to them, hey, you're doing an awesome job. I can tell that God's made you for this role. That probably means that that's the best way you'd like to receive love. Maybe it's gifts. There's different things, different love languages. And, and, and usually in a marriage, this husband and wife have a different love language sometimes. Mine is gifts. I love buying gifts. I love buying. My, my wife's is like acts of service. She would rather cook a meal and like make a breakfast with a homemade card and stuff. Like, and so um, it's just different things. But when it comes to God, the thing that he loves is obedience. He loves obedience, right? Let me read a, a passage from 1 John chapter 5. Verse 1, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. Jesus said, you know what? People are going to know you're you're my disciples if you love one another. And then he goes on to say, I'll give you a new commandment. It really wasn't a new one. He said love one another before, but he added to it and he said this. He said, as I have loved you, so you should love one another. Love and obedience are the marks of a follower of Jesus. Verse 3, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. That's Is awesome when you choose to follow him joyfully. That as a parent is the greatest thing that could happen, right? I have chores for my kids at home, right? That they're supposed to do, and when sometimes more my daughter than my son uh, will get up and she will do all the chores without anyone asking her to do it, and she'll come in and her teeth are brushed and her clothes are are on and her hair is combed and she has her bed made and she's made her own breakfast. What is the thing that I feel in my heart right there? I feel love. I love her. I feel joy because she has chosen to follow the things that she's supposed to do. Not because she had to, because she wanted to. Psalm 1, what did it say? Blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord. Not just thinks about it because he has to. Not just reads the Bible because a pastor told him to, right? His delight, his joy is in the law of the Lord. Disobedience robs us of God's blessing. and Bad decisions always have negative consequences. Let me finish up with this. You may not have a prophetic Nineveh calling, a Nineveh commission, we'll call it, but the reality is every single follower of Jesus has a commission to go and to make disciples. And you can do that, every single one of you. It's not just a job for staff. It's not just a job for small group leaders. It's not just a job for adults. It's a job for the church. We say in our, and when we end our services, to go and be the church. Part of that is a call to live as salt and light in the world, but in more of reality, it's to go and make disciples. Right, we, uh, we were, David and I, David got to share at the night of worship the other night, and so we went to dinner at Wendy's, which I realized we should not have done that. We're in Portland, but we were pressed for time, and it was near our hotel, okay? Don't, don't, don't shoot the messenger, all right? Uh, we paid the price for our disobedience uh, as well. Um, but David and I were talking about the verse of Scripture that he wanted to, uh, to share that night there's a lady sitting next to us and I could tell she was like oddly looking at me. I thought she was gonna like rage or something as we were talking about Jesus and the gospel in the Wendy's. But she said to me afterwards, she's like, no, I, I'm a Christian. I just never hear anybody talking about Jesus in public. That's part of disciple making. Our pastor has told me whenever uh, you meet with your D group to meet in a public, we have, call them D groups, our discipleship group, to meet in a public place because people will hear you talking about Jesus, right? That's our call. You never know what that one small act of mercy and kindness will do. And what I've found, you know, I haven't lived here ever, but I've been here like probably a month out of my life at least. uh, And I have found that so many people are interested in Christianity here. They're ready to talk about it. And wherever you live is the same story. Everywhere I've ever been in the world, people are interested in talking about Jesus, and are interested in talking about their beliefs. Everyone loves to talk about themselves, right? And they generally love, would love to hear what you have to say, right? So, yeah, you may not be called to Nineveh, a Nineveh commission, but you have at the great commission, the only commission the church has, just to go and make disciples. Later on, we'll see that Jonah was motivated by hate, really in all of this and selfishness. He hated Assyria. He hated the city of Nineveh and he did not want them to repent. That's why he ran. He had an us versus them mentality and this is what I want to finish with. Our culture is an us versus them culture. And, and you could pick pick your pick your dividing line north and south, red or blue, inclusive, exclusive pro-life, pro-choice, you you name it. What we do as a culture is we create an us and we create a them. And far too often, even that creeps into, into the church, that there's an us and then there's a them and there's a hostility towards them. But here's the thing, when it comes to God's grace and God's mercy, there is only an us. Every single person in the world needs it. Every single person cannot know God without it. And so when we start seeing the world that way, instead of as, hey, those people out there, it's I have received the grace and mercy and salvation from Jesus and everyone else needs the same thing. Let me offer that to them. Right, and we miss this, we get out of line. Uh, you know, I, I know people who, uh, if you voted for the wrong person, they would probably never sit with you. How backwards is that? How wrong is that? Jesus came and died and made enemies his friends. That's the beauty of this gospel message is it takes enemies and not only does it make it friends, it makes them adopted children. Imagine adopting the children of your worst enemy. That's, That's what Jesus has done. That's what God has done, right? And we are to be representatives of that. So as we think about Jonah, we might, there might be some conviction for you in this story. I don't know. There is for me. Maybe it's an encouragement. You know what? I, I'm, I'm obeying God. It took a lot for me to get on that plane to fly here, or it took a lot for me to commit my summer here. It took a lot for me to live for Jesus here. It took a lot for me fill in the blank. Maybe that's you, or maybe it's, you know what? I'm just kind of been seeing the, the world the way that, that the world sees it, not the way that God sees it, through eyes of mercy. In grace, he wants to offer that, and honestly, man, maybe you're here today and you haven't, you don't know what I'm talking about. You haven't received the grace and mercy and forgiveness and what it is to know God. You can do that, and we're going to sing a song. I know that Matt and Andrea and our, our interns here would just love to speak with you about what it is to know Jesus personally, what it is to have that relationship. All right, well, I'm going to say a prayer, and uh, Ben and Elaine are going to come up and lead us in one more song. God, thank you for uh, your church, for those that meet in a a dusty old stamp building, for those that meet in uh, tents somewhere, those that meet in parks, those that meet in maybe a more formal building with pews and robes and all that stuff. God, that's not really what it's about. Your church is your people. You don't dwell in a temple built by hands. You dwell within your church those who have received the Holy Spirit, God. And God, I pray uh, that, that, uh, that this group of people committed to Jesus, committed to the cause of gospel and family and mission and making disciples, Lord, uh, will be just stirred on and encouraged and move forward. Lord, I pray that we will uh, seek to obey. Lord, I pray that we'll obey together. Obedience is easier with a friend. God and I pray that uh, that we, we seek that out God I pray for your glory and your renown to, to be a, uh, be known in this city god I pray um, just that your will will be done god. In Jesus name thank you so much for listening we'd love to hear how God is working in your life you can connect with us and find more available teachings and resources at our website sojournpdx.org